This is Draco Malfoy and the Talon Brand, Part Five of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget, Chapter Sixteen, Nineteen Ninety Six. Luna left with her father before midnight, along with all the other guests but Tonks. With Tonks there, though, the party was only beginning as she, Bill, Sirius, and Remus sat by the fire drinking. The Weasleys and Hermione were in the near vicinity playing a prediction game for the year, called 108 Sins, based off the Japanese tradition. Tonks had brought it for everyone, but seemed more interested in drinking, so the students had inherited all 108 of the small enchanted bells. Draco had played it before the start of 1996 the first time, and it had foretold nothing but good for him. After how this coming year had turned out in the blue loop, he had no interest in the game any more. He'd thought Hermione would abhor anything divination-related, but she seemed too giddy with a sugar-high and life-high to complain. In fact, when Draco refused to take his turn, she demanded he go find Harry, so at least Harry could get his 108 predictions before midnight. That proved a harder task than one might think. He found Creature skulking around the stairs, but he said he hadn't seen him, in a surly tone that might mean he could have just been speaking to him for how much he wanted to help. Draco looked just about everywhere before he thought to look the one place he wouldn't have thought of, his own room. Harry was stretched across Draco's bed, bathed in blue glow, shoes off, asleep. Draco was left standing in the door. It fell shut behind him with a slam, but not loud enough, it seemed, to wake Harry up. Harry's glasses were on Draco's bedside table, and Draco couldn't resist picking them up, staring at them. Then he took Harry's discarded jumper from the table beside them and brought it to his face, unable to resist breathing in the amortentious scent from the cheap fabric. He put it back quickly, at the thought of Harry waking and seeing him doing something so creepy, and even if he didn't, what was the point in torturing himself? 1995 was turning to 1996, the sound of the countdown beginning from 60 downstairs, along with the mechanical voice reciting the numbers from the watch Harry had given Draco. Soon there would be fireworks, whose loudness Draco remembered from the new year before last under this roof. It had been the night he had promised to help prove Sirius's innocence. Now the prisoner of Azkaban was blissfully engaged to his bloody soulmate, and yet Draco was no different. He still had no earthly idea ever what to do about Harry Potter. He's beautiful, was not a new thought, although its coexistence with the most basic thought units of he loves me and he wants me in association rendered it less academic. Everything was academic, though, in the red line. He had gotten his chance, the one life everyone else got, and if Harry knew who he'd been that first time, Draco imagined that he'd... No, he didn't have to imagine, he knew. He remembered that back turning away after giving him his wand and walking away from him the day he saw the mirror. Maybe some part of Draco had never forgiven Harry for the pity in his eyes then. 
Maybe some part of Draco had never stopped wanting to crush him for it. Maybe he had already. Not just by erasing his victory and making him relive all this suffering, but by binding him to someone like Draco. Maybe this had been his retribution, as terrible in truth as the revenge that Sirius had bided his time imagining behind the walls of Azkaban. Draco had come right out of Azkaban and set about ruining Harry's life, taking away his triumph and love and replacing it with this hopeless blind attachment to a Malfoy-shaped phantom. He didn't know what steps had led them down the fatal road to his obsession being shared. He had tried to keep his distance, at least at first, and then just tried to get over Harry. All he had found himself doing was orbiting him the same, not even trying in earnest to escape the pull. Draco was orbiting him now, while the world began anew below, because after seeing what Sirius and Remus had, when he looked at Harry like this, he wanted... I want to be the only thing in his mind. I want that to be why he can't have occlumency with me, because he can't get me out of his head. I want him to be dreaming of me right now and wake up with my name on his lips. I want him to love me as much as Sirius loves Remus, and I want Harry to want me, to want me bad enough, that I'm the only one on his mind at night when his hands are on himself. I want him to think of me when he does it, the way I think of him, always. 1996 was the year Father went to prison, when Aunt Bella got out of it, when Draco learned at her hands of occlumency and pain. It was when he seduced Theo, when he was given the dark mark, when he proposed the vanishing cabinet, and received his mission, and began his work towards the fall of Hogwarts. Draco would be sixteen this year, the age when his life had fallen apart all at once, and then more and more, until it really fell apart. Harry would be sixteen this year too, and he would lose his godfather if Draco couldn't change things enough. If it didn't turn out that the only real change Draco had made in Sirius's fate had just been making him a little happier before he went. Even if Draco saved Sirius, he wouldn't deserve Harry. Deserve had to be taken out of the equation, as with Sirius and Remus, or everything shut down. Draco would never not be a thief who looked at a hero in his bed and somehow was foolish enough to think something so good could be touched by something so evil and emerge unsullied, foolish enough to ignore the blue loop where Harry loved Ginny, as if loving Draco Malfoy instead wasn't a punishment Harry should never, ever have had to bear. Draco was meant to give him away to Ginny, but I don't want to hand him over to her or anyone else. I want it to be me. I'm the only person he's ever kissed and I want it to stay that way. I don't want him to even think of it. I want to kiss him so hard, so much, that after, no matter what he tries, he'll never kiss anyone without thinking of my lips. Three, two, one. The voice from Draco's watch recited. Draco shut off the countdown as cheers exploded from downstairs, and then there was the rumbling of fireworks outside. His room didn't have windows, 
but the impression of intermittent brightness filtered through with the booms, diffused flashes of lightning over the face of Harry waking. Happy New Year! Draco could hear people shouting downstairs from very, very far away, while the fireworks went off like bombs, and Harry sat up and saw Draco there. Draco, Harry said, peeling his eyes open and rubbing his eyes. Did I fall asleep? Happy 1996. Oh God, I missed midnight. Hermione's going to kill me. She sent me to get you a while ago, but there hasn't been a search party. Took me a while to find you, so I reckon we're all right. This is the last place I thought to look. I just wanted somewhere quiet, Harry said defensively, as if he had forgotten he was a wizard. Your room's the highest and furthest. I just wanted to lie down and not be disturbed. I didn't mean to fall asleep. He broke off, laughing shakily as the room vibrated, bluebell flames trembling in the air. It was the quietest before. And now it's the closest to the fireworks. Harry peered up guiltily. Do you want me to go? Draco shook his head. I don't feel like going down to a room full of people excited for the new year. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited for Sirius and Remus, but not for myself. Me either, Harry said. Draco finally obeyed the silent pleading of Harry's gaze and sat down on the bed beside him. He tried not to notice how Harry's hair was mussed from sleeping or how he still hadn't put his glasses back on. His face was free to kiss unimpeded, not that any decent person's mind would immediately jump there, but he was on Draco's bed. Quite the pair we make, Draco intoned and Harry laughed. Sirius had talked about how much he loved making Remus laugh. Draco could feel that now, the unreasonable giddiness that sent bubbling up in him. However reluctant he had been to let go of his self-castigating wallowing. At least I get you to myself for once. Harry spoke the words shamelessly, as if it was self-evident he would scrape and beg for every scrap of Draco's attention he could get. That counts as a good start to the year. Did you get it? When you saw the rings? Why, I couldn't tell you who they were for. At least that was one conflict that should be resolved now. I can't believe how stupid I was, Harry groaned, though his face changed when Draco lay down on the bed beside him. He did lie like this with Hermione and Luna all the time, but it felt different being this close to Harry, especially a version of him so tousled and warm and sleepily repentant. I would never have guessed. Did Sirius ask you not to say? Yeah? Draco poked Harry's shoulder. Don't be bitter. I knew before you. He just needed me to help with the Black Family Tapestry. He wants to put Remus on it, you know. I'm not really trying to take him from you. They can care about both of us. It doesn't have to be a competition. It's not like I can make anything like those rings. Harry blinked sleep away as he repositioned his chin, moving his face closer so he could see Draco even without his glasses. 
He was so cute it made Draco's chest hurt. I get it. I just... I wish I could have you all to myself like this more often. I know we'll have occlumency lessons, but I'm so dumb. I wish this was like some fairy tale, where I could lock you in a room like this with me. Lock you in a tower for a while. And then I'd be the only one you saw, so you'd have to pay attention to me. What the fuck, Harry? A bizarre, flattered warmth spread through Draco's chest. What kind of dream were you just having? No, it's it's just something dumb, Harry said placidly. My aunt used to tell my cousin stories like that all the time when they were little. Dudley didn't like them, but I did. Stories about knights and princes rescuing captives like princesses from towers they were locked in, like Rapunzel. They'd be guarded by a dragon, you know, in a lot of them. This is like a fairy tale room up here. It's like the room at the top of the tower where you wait for the prince. Oh, let me guess, Draco intoned. You were always the prince, coming in, saving the day. Yeah, maybe. Harry shrugged. I felt more like the captive at first, like Cinderella, locked away doing all the chores for a family that hated me, but I wanted to save myself, and then... Then I would imagine saving every other child who was locked away like I was. Slaying the dragon? Draco prompted. Harry laughed, a rumbling sound that made Draco's selfish thoughts come back with full force. And now that I'm older, Harry whispered. All I want is to lock the dragon in the tower, just for a little while. Do you think that's feasible? Draco said dryly, trying not to take a thrill in this nonsensical conversation. Think you could do it? Keep a dragon locked away just for you? Yeah, I could do the binding at least. You taught me the spells for that. Oh, in your dueling lessons? We ran through all that really quickly. You probably don't even remember half of those lessons anymore. I remember binding spells, Harry said confidently, and Draco rolled his eyes. I do. What do you need? Proof. Put your magic where your mouth is, Draco smirked, and Harry's hand touched his chest, planting there and pushing him on his back. Draco's jacket, vest and tie were all downstairs, buttoned down half untucked. Harry's fingertips pressed into bare skin at the top, in a motion that should only end naturally, with Harry's hand sliding along Draco's throat. But Harry was just guiding Draco back, so he could cast the spell more easily. Manabiscatus. That had seemed to be his favourite. Just as then, Draco's hands were thrown over his head and pinned by invisible force. The rest of his body could move, but he was left exposed nonetheless, bound to the bed by the purr of Harry's magic down his arms. When Harry cast that spell, magic poured along Draco's skin with a world of intent behind the incantation, intent for Draco's body now that was caught. See, Harry said, 
leaning over with his breath hot on Draco's face. Draco tested his wrists, but Harry's magic had them bound as tight as any real chains, a tug on his whole body from there downwards. He arched, trying to use his weight to buck back, and all it did was just brush his chest against Harry's before he fell back in defeat. See, you can't get away, can you, dragon? Harry said softly, and ran his thumb over the exposed skin of Draco's wrists. I could lock you up anywhere I wanted, make you spend this whole year just with me. Not not, or Charlie, or Cedric, or anyone. Just me. And then maybe you'd... Harry, Draco said, voice hitching. And Harry turned instantly from reverie to guilt. Oh, God. Harry breathed, raising his wand again. I'll let you go. And Draco glared. Don't let me go, he ordered, as if Harry was the one powerless. He arched his back the other way, trying to sit up enough to crane his neck and follow Harry's movement. Come here. Harry leaned back over, and Draco felt his forehead brush his. I'm here. Harry whispered, and Draco's whole body was alive with selfishness, but the same possessiveness Harry was joking about, and worse. Stay, he willed Harry. Don't ever look at anyone else like this. Not for the rest of your life, don't you dare. Guess I've got the dragon caught. What should I do with him now? Whatever you want. Draco heard himself say, soft and breathy, and Harry's eyes went huge. You can do anything. Harry gasped, hand falling on the pillow beside Draco's hair to steady himself, and his lips brushed over Draco's cheek, a maddening tease. You don't have to, Draco whispered. You don't ever have to let me go. And Harry stared at his lips. Don't tease me, Harry said, with a sudden bleakness drawing his face back. It's cruel, Draco. I won't ever be able to get it out of my head. What's in your mind right now? Draco breathed, and Harry shut his eyes hard. When we kissed under the mistletoe, Harry sighed out. And Draco smiled. If I just hadn't pulled your hair, then maybe. Harry! Draco hissed. You're such an idiot! Harry's eyes opened, lips fallen into a bit of a pout at the word. I can't not think of that day either, all right. So go ahead. Pull my hair, if you like. Harry's hand went into Draco's hair, strands of hair flowing between each finger as he stroked reverently. Then his grip tightened at the nape of Draco's neck, pulling his head back so their eyes were level, bearing Draco's neck to examination. Draco's parted lips went wider in shock before they pursued again, tingling in anticipation. He moaned at that tug, at the reckless command in it. The heat that 
pulse between his legs, with something like the sharpness of Harry's magic in his scent, in its weight and hold on him, but needier, a throbbing of the need for touch coming over him there that would have been shameful if Harry's face had not looked like he himself wanted so badly that he was getting lost in it. Harry tugged Draco's hair again, a wave of it curling around his hand as he kept hold. Draco moaned, his mind scattering, every reason not to being tugged out and only leaving the whimpering, begging voice behind saying, Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. And beneath it, the one that said, Use me. And then just, Tell me what to do. You like my hair, don't you? Draco said. Not very creative, but Harry's eyes ran over with enough predatory intent to make the words resonate. I love it. Harry said, I love it so much. I can always find you in any room by this hair. Fingers combing greedily through. And I, I, I always want to touch it. Can I pull it again? Yeah, Mm. Draco said softly. Mm. Yeah, you can. Like the first time you kissed me. Harry tugged and looked displeased when a more prepared Draco didn't make a sound in response. His hand went higher Mm. on Draco's scalp, looping Draco's fine hair around his wrist before tugging back again. Draco whined then, squirming beneath him. The blood in his body felt like if Harry didn't stop touching him this instant, the strength of Harry would transfigure it all to liquid fiend fire as if he wasn't burning already, as if there was anything left of him to burn. I want to touch you everywhere, Harry admitted, letting out the words in a racking gasp, and Draco didn't know why he just didn't. Want to touch my mouth? Draco breathed, licking his lips, and Harry nodded. Draco turned his head and pressed a kiss to the back of Harry's hand, nuzzling it, nuzzling it, until it fell out of his hair and he could kiss at the fingertips, sucking worshipfully right at the ends of two of those long, rough fingers between his lips. Draco had closed his eyes, but he pried them open. When his gaze met Harry's, The look in Harry's eyes made him suck those fingers into his mouth, index and middle finger gliding in over his tongue, before his head bobbed back, up and down. Finally, they escaped with a wet pop. Harry took a deep, unsteady breath, pupils dilated to the edges of those green irises, the heavy-lidded look of those thick, lashed eyes like a spark ready to come alight. Just one last touch for the dragon to breathe fire. I want to kiss you again so bad, Harry said all in a rush, voice ashamed but inevitable. Then what are you waiting for? Draco whispered. Harry kissed him, and it was like the release of those guards in Draco against his own magic. The dam loosed, and a world of possibilities let out unchecked 
danger and yet life, vital and painful and perfect on the tongue. Harry tasted like sparkling cider and frustration. Kiss harsher and sharper than under the mistletoe, laid out in bed, with Harry on top of him sucking down on his bottom lip. Draco arched as he strained into the kiss, pinned wrists his leverage to lift his back off the bed and press up his mouth in whining demand. Harry kissed hard enough to sting all teeth. Draco sucked back at his mouth, keeping his eyes open to stare right at those green ones. Then Harry's weight fell on his, Harry abandoning himself to the kiss completely like throwing the last coherent thought out of either of their minds. All Draco could do was shut his eyes. Without Harry's glasses, their noses brushed together, every bit of contact more addictive, harder to talk himself out of, harder to not keep tasting. Harry's hand slid back through Draco's hair, cupping his head with a grip only deepening as he poured himself into the kiss, as wholeheartedly as he did most everything he loved. Passion was a taste in itself, a sting that throbbed over Draco's wet, plundered mouth and reverberated lower in him, making his back arch again. Draco, Harry gasped into his mouth. God, Draco, I love kissing you. And Draco laughed against his mouth, baring his teeth. Harry's tongue slid along them, before the tip brushed the tip of Draco's tongue. Draco almost saw stars at that slightest of touching. You're going to, Draco panted, have to learn to kiss properly, you great blunderbuss. Harry laughed shakily, sucking on Draco's lower lip again. He seemed to have learned that Draco liked that, or he was in the process of learning it tugging out the lip between his before returning to press kiss after kiss, smacking against Draco's waiting mouth. Each one was like a lavishing of affection too deeply felt for him to keep holding back, another declaration restrained no longer. Slow down, Harry. Merlin, you kiss like a dementor. Harry made a sullen noise, pulling back, and Draco strained up, pulling at Ernest at the magic on his wrists, for the first time to chase Harry's mouth. What, Draco? Harry breathed. What are you trying to kiss me for, then? Someone has to show you, Draco hissed, how it's done properly. And Harry laughed, elation spreading across his handsome face like the sun just came out from a storm like one of the fireworks still going off in the distance, sending vibrations through the bed and both of their bodies, keeping them together with light like fireworks in Harry's perfect eyes. Show me then, Harry said, challenging. Draco surged up, straining enough to nearly pull something in his back and dragged Harry's face back down to his just using his teeth, clamping onto Harry's mouth and not letting it go, the suction a wet pop as it ended. Then Draco licked up into Harry's mouth more slowly, whole mouth swollen and wet now, so sensitive and raw it needed to be constantly touched to be bearable. 
each kiss subtracted rather than added. The more he got, the more he wanted, less and less satisfied until Harry took control of the kiss again, resuming his clumsy, forceful pressure downwards. He was pulling unrepentantly at Draco's hair now, using it to drag Draco's face up into each individual kiss. The feeling of Draco's wrists bound above his head made him feel deliriously helpless to it, like Harry could kiss him forever if he wanted, and there was nothing he could do to stop him. Harry's weight felt like heaven on top of him, like pressure on his lungs was the thing he had needed to breathe properly again. The strong muscular length of his legs entwining with Draco's as they began to make out in earnest. Harry did prove a quick study, mimicking the speed and then the motion of Draco's mouth on his. You're so good at this, Harry kept saying incoherently, or I love kissing you. And then finally, God, Draco, you're gorgeous. He pulled back to say the last one, staring down at Draco's face. Draco's face felt hot, probably just as flushed and sweaty as Harry's. Merlin, those pretty pink lips of Harry's had never looked darker than now, the distinct imprint of Draco's teeth left in them. I don't know how you can be so gorgeous, Harry whispered. It's like you're not real, and pressed a vicious kiss to Draco's exposed throat before his lips rose greedily to Draco's mouth again, driving in the words with a series of emphatic kisses. Gorgeous, Draco. You're so gorgeous. So bloody impossible. You're so evil. You're driving me mad. Draco wanted nothing more than to keep doing it. He towed off his shoes and ran his sock foot over the side of Harry's calf, hooking it and making Harry sigh. And I don't get, Draco laughed back, why you haven't given up by now. And Harry made a bemused snort. I don't know, Draco, he panted. If this is you trying to tell me to give up, I don't know. He kissed Draco for a greedy moment in the middle of his own words. This, he breathed, pressing a kiss to each of Draco's cheeks, before sighing the last words into Draco's ear. This probably isn't the best way to get me to give up. Well, Draco groaned, trying to turn his head away from something simply too good, earlobe so sensitive he didn't even want it touched. Harry's mouth fell beneath instead, sucking at a patch of skin below. Draco's lower body pulsed so much at the feeling he was afraid he was going to get off without meaning to, just at the friction through their clothes and the way Harry kissed his skin. It was meant to show us that, that we have no, no chemistry, that it wouldn't feel good if we ever tried anything so we'd know there was Oh, nothing but friendship between us. Mm. Harry kissed across his cheek and cut off his words at his lips. So give 
up on me. Draco gasped into Harry's lips. Harry kissed him until they were both breathing too hard to keep going, heat of their bodies stifling between them. Harry was looking more and more like a debauched angel, with his huge, want-darkened green eyes in that heart-stopping face, and that thick, beautiful, dark hair haloed in the pale blue light. Give up already, Draco whined, and Harry laughed and kissed at his pout. Do you really want me to? He whispered, and slowly Draco shook his head. He expected more kisses then, but... Footsteps, said Harry suddenly. Draco took way too long to remember what that word meant, let alone connect it with the thudding sounds growing louder. Harry jumped off him, sitting up and throwing his discarded hoodie over his lap, in a gesture that indicated he was having very much the same difficulties as Draco at that moment. Draco, come on, someone's coming. Let my wrists go, genius, Draco hissed, and Harry hastily undid the manabiscata spell. Draco sat up, finger-combing his hair, afraid that what they'd been doing would be painfully obvious regardless. He untucked his shirt, letting it hang in front, and concentrated on making his problem disappear. But he couldn't stop licking at his swollen lips, lingering over the feeling of Harry left on them. Happy New Year, mate, Ron said, coming in looking jazzed off the New Year, but a bit and maybe something stronger. He seemed less likely to notice anything than he was to get an O in his potions O-W-L. He didn't blink at their dishevelled state. Have you seen Harry? Oh, hey, Harry, Happy New Year. Come come on down here, you've got to play this, this bell game. The first thing Draco whispered to Harry when he cornered him on the stairs the next morning was, You didn't tell anyone, did you? Don't tell anyone yet. Harry blinked at him, rubbing his eyes. Good morning to you too. Harry, did you? Did you tell Ron or... Morning, Ron? Draco called brightly, forcing a smile as a bleary-eyed Ron descended the stairs past them towards the siren smell of breakfast. Morning. Ron slurred and nearly fell the last two steps before Hermione rushed past and steadied him on the way down, calling something ominous about what would happen to the next one of her friends to engage in any more underage-drinking nonsense. Draco was too nervous to hear anyone but Harry's voice. Did you tell anyone? Draco demanded. And Harry frowned, raking a hand through his hair. He hardly looked to have combed it since last night. It stuck up in all sorts of places, and yet the sight of him still had made Draco's mouth go dry, and no amount of swallowing and licking his lips seemed to get the sandpaper feeling off them. Harry, if you did, you have to tell me. No, Harry said, as if it was a stupid question. There's not been time. So you're going to? Draco prodded. Listen, Harry, we need to talk about this before anyone else can know. We'll talk later, I promise. Just please promise me you'll keep last night a secret until then. Last night. Harry echoed with a slow grin, and nothing more useful to add on the subject. 
Remus insisted on taking the Christmas decorations down promptly on New Year's Day, so to great grumbling, none the least from his new fiancée, they were occupied most of the day, in work that Creature should have theoretically been doing for them, if he could have been bothered, but he couldn't, so Draco didn't get a single moment alone with anyone, let alone Harry, until just before dinner, and that was with Hermione, who wanted to gently admonish him on the class implications of his constant complaints that Malfoys are above doing at manual labour, as if Draco wasn't well aware. He was very receptive, though, having been so terrified she knew about him and Harry that he would have taken an intervention about his secret blood magic well in stride. After the heights of the past night, New Year's Day was quiet, but the evidence of its transformations was there, with talk of plans for the Longbottoms to visit again before they all went back to Hogwarts, Sirius and Remus both wearing their rings, and Harry sneaking Draco even more looks than usual when he thought he wasn't looking. Mrs Weasley made them a hearty stew from leftovers for dinner, though she wouldn't let him have any of the excellent red wine she'd paired with it. He tried to beg some off Bill. He was desperately in need of some liquid courage to face up to what he'd done the door he'd opened that he couldn't simply close again. But Bill proved far more difficult to talk into giving him alcohol than just stealing from it. He'd just got another of Hermione's underage drinking lectures to Ron's great amusement. But eventually the time he had to face Harry came, when he had stalled all day and evening until it was practically midnight again, and then passed it. Harry came up to his room after everyone else went to bed, like in the summer after nightmares. They ended up facing off in their pyjamas this time, with the watch on Draco's nightstand reading 12.05am. The fact that at home at Grimald, Draco's pyjamas just consisted of a pair of worn and comfortable red arsenal joggers, well, Draco was not about to give whatever was between them the dignity of changing that, as if he was frightened to show Harry even a little of his body for the things it would make them both want. Alohomora. The soft murmur of Harry's voice came from outside, and then the palpable sensation of every lock in the room opening. Harry's magic was so excessive for such small spells. He had no attention to or conception of his overuse, though. In Harry there was no magical exhaustion or depletion like in Draco. His fount of magic seemed borderline inexhaustible. Harry hadn't put his wand away yet, and then he reached under Draco's pillow. "'What are you doing?' Draco hissed, twisting his head away to protect his hair. "'You'll cut yourself!' Harry just seemed to recognise this as indignation over taking his wand. "'Don't worry. I'm just putting it over there on the table. I'll put mine there too. I just don't want you to curse me first. Why would I be cursing you? No, Harry, don't shit! Draco exhaled, as Harry's extraction of the wand also had him cutting his hand right under Draco's pillow. Draco just hoped that wouldn't bring back too many memories of the graveyard. If you just listen, it's not only my wand under there. What on earth? Harry breathed blankly and pulled out the wand and the moonstone dagger. Staring at the dagger's bloodied hilt. Is this yours? What is this? Draco refused to answer either of such obvious questions, 
and Harry went over and put them with his wand on the table across the room before coming back over. Draco, why do you have that fancy knife under your pillow? I mean, I'd heard of sleeping with a knife under your pillow, but I thought it was just an expression. It wasn't for me, was it? You really, really flatter yourself, Harry. Draco sighed. If you think that dagger is for you. Now come here. I'll fix your hand, you irredeemable blunderbuss. Harry came back over sheepishly, holding his palm concave so none of the crimson dripped on anything else of Draco's. Oh, for Salazar's sake, Harry, you'll have to give me my wand a second to heal you. Sorry. Harry ran back to get the talon wand. He shrunk back when Draco began to wave his wand and make a humming song over the cut, casting Volnerosinento. What's that? Advanced magic, Harry, Draco said dryly. I know that's a foreign concept to you, but... The wounds closed up quickly, though he did the path twice more to finish sealing it completely. The palm was eerily perfect once he was done, like it had never been cut at all. You're so talented. Harry said breathlessly, in a voice like he was enjoying watching Draco heal him more than he should. Draco shot a look up through his pale eyelashes and saw Harry's green eyes burning down with none of the fear they should have had. He kept his hand in Draco's, turning it over while he spoke. That was brilliant. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cause any trouble. Why would I curse you? Draco said sceptically. When Harry held out a hand for his wand, he hesitated. With us disarmed, that's your advantage. You're physically stronger in our experience, aren't you? Since first year, you broke the rules to win our duel by pinning me down. The memory put colour on Harry's cheeks. I'm not that strong. Draco smirked. That's not what Theo would have said after you beat the shit out of him. I don't want to, uh, beat you up, Harry muttered. Promise. And Draco couldn't help it. It was stupid, but he handed his wand over to Harry with an indulgent smirk. What do you want then, Harry? Draco drawled sprawling back against the pillows with his hands nonchalantly linked behind his head to show how unafraid he was. Probably to ask why that dagger had been there for starters, except with the cut and dagger out of sight, it seemed out of mind for Harry already, in comparison to what was immediately before his gaze. Draco waiting for him on the bed seemed to supersede anything else. You said we'd talk later, Harry said weakly and climbed onto the foot of the bed when Draco did nothing to stop him. Draco watched him climb up, with a terrible clogging of heat, a swimming conviction that he'd made a mistake giving away his wand. That was what made him feel strong, strong enough to protect himself from the things he wanted. Draco smirked, pushing out a pale bare foot to prod at Harry's thigh, keeping him at bay. Oh... And that's what you want, Harry, to talk. Harry let out a whining sound as Draco kept him back, hand going to grab Draco's instep. Draco kept smirking and just let him, even as Harry pushed it aside. Draco pushed up his other foot to keep Harry back, 
and Harry caught it too after he prodded against his chest. Draco poked it at Harry and Harry caught that too. Sudden iron grip on Draco's ankles and Draco stopped laughing. Tell me, Draco ordered, why you're here, what you really want. And Harry let go of Draco's ankles, leaning over him with furtive, helpless eyes. You know what I want, Harry said miserably, staring at Draco's mouth. And the heat inside Draco was almost stifling, sensitivity already rising over his skin without even being touched. He could feel how hard his nipples were in the night air. Could see Harry's eyes keep going to them, like he wanted to put his fingers or his teeth on them even with all of Draco cast into alabaster pallor by the blue wreath of light over their heads. You've known, haven't you? You have. You just like to torment me. And last night, Draco. Harry risked all his do-gooder cred in that moment by not making some passionate declaration of feeling, not demanding to talk about what had happened, and what they were, or any of that rot, but by falling into place over Draco, one hand, and then another thudding onto the pillows beside Draco's face. Draco moved his hands out of the way, and then with them already behind his head, the only good way for them to go was up, stretching back over the pillows with his wrists together, like Harry's mere presence had cast Manabiscatus. Harry made the most indescribable choking sound at the sight, looking as oppressed by the reality of what he wanted as Draco felt. Harry's thick, growing dark hair was falling in disarray over his forehead, the scar still visible, but that scar had never interested Draco very much compared to those eyes. And now, after the taste of them, those lips. Draco smirked flicking out a foot again to playfully try to swat Harry back, and Harry caught his ankle again. Do you want me to leave? No. Do you want to leave? Draco snorted, amazed by Harry's recklessness, even for a Gryffindor. You just cut yourself on a ritual dagger under my pillow, under a murderer's pillow. Harry didn't blink at that. You know... Pettigrew isn't even the only person I've killed, he added, thinking of Periander and Maledictum, and indirectly of Dumbledore. Harry's gaze didn't falter, though he let go of Draco's ankle more out of seeming obligation than revulsion. His free hand fell into place beside Draco's face, too. I don't believe you. Harry fixed their gazes together as if that could assert his will on Draco, and not just his beauty with that sight. You want me to think you're too dangerous to be any good for me? What? First your excuse is that you're not good enough. Now it's that you're too bad. I am, you know, Draco said softly. I am bad. I'm a thousand times too dangerous. He didn't move his wrists from above his head. Harry let out an agonised groan, eyes all over Draco's, before falling to his lips. I know you're dangerous, he whispered. I don't care. His fingers traced the fall of Draco's hair over the pillows. All the blood along with the scents was going from Draco's head, but Draco tried to warn him. 
You should care. You should be trying to tie me down, but to get information from me, torture me, force all my secrets out somehow, you should see me as your enemy. You're not my enemy. You'll never be my enemy. And I'd walk through that fire again for you. That proves it, like I did before. The feeling was so fierce in Harry's eyes. Something so intense and true burning for someone as impossibly ruined as Draco. The shielding fire. Protego Diabolica. I'd walk through it just the same. For one of the few times in the red line, Draco was completely speechless. He didn't know what to say. All he could do was lean up, staring at those lips that were so wrong to believe in him, and kiss them. From the way they fell eagerly on his... It was all too easy to forget why that belief was wrong in the first place. Harry would never hurt Draco, if it wasn't true the other way around. That was the future, and Draco had Harry on top of him, here and now, saying his name between kisses like he meant something other than doom. Harry said it like he loved him, and Draco was weak enough, as Harry's lips kissed feverishly, worshipfully at his hair to pretend that for the moment he deserved it. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Talon Brand, part five of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget.